Good morning, everybody. Um, so if you haven't been with us for the past few weeks, we've been looking at the idea of conflict and the fact that conflict happens to all of us. We all endure conflict in our lives, whether it's with, uh, in the workplace, whether it's with friends, family, whatever it may be, you and I have conflict. And it's good, not only as people, to know how to deal with conflict, but especially as those of us here who say, yep, we follow Jesus, we need to be handling conflict really well because if we don't, Conflict destroys relationship. And relationship is one of the big things God is on about. And in fact, this morning as we conclude the series, the big point that I want to bring us to really is that God values relationship. In the beginning, God created humanity for relationship. The goal of that was to, of course, glorify Him, to say how awesome God is, but it was through this aspect of relationship. Then when Adam and Eve sinned against God when they decided to separate from God's way and go their own way. That was a break in the relationship. And then Jesus spent his time walking around earth, restoring the relationship through his death and his resurrection. And now we get the opportunity to live out of the relationship which we have with Jesus, which is exactly what Karen has been talking about this morning. So that's the big point for today, is that conflict destroys relationship. So we need to proactively try to remove conflict wherever we can in our lives. So to get to there, we're going to go through a few things. Uh, Just a quick recap of the series. Um, The first week we looked at what is conflict? Conflict is when there is something, there's an unmet need between two people and it escalates. We offend the other person. Maybe we have the need for acceptance and they don't accept us. And instead of being an adult and going and talking to them about it, We mumble, we gossip, we avoid them, we try and do everything we can to avoid actually just going and telling them how we feel, which is stupid, right? We should just go and tell them how we feel. And in fact, the advice you probably give to your friends is just go tell them how you feel. But then when you're in conflict, you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's different because our conflict in our view is always different uh, to everyone else's, but it's not. So that's the first week we looked at that. Then in the second week, we looked at the idea that out of the negative, the negative outcomes of conflict are painful. They're really, really painful. It breaks relationship between us. It means that our identity isn't a set. Uh, things happen when we have conflict with other people that's unresolved. It really affects us and our outlook on the world, our, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with other people. So it's painful and it sucks. Then last week, uh, we looked at a tool that we could use. And in fact, some of you uh, would have sat on, if you didn't see it, a uh, piece of paper. Uh, and on that piece of paper, there's two sides. One side is the tool we looked at last week, the Matthew 18 tool. So in Matthew 18, Jesus is teaching, and he talks through how we should handle conflict. And in the passage, you'll see it actually says, if your brother or sister sins, uh, then go and approach them. What that means is if your brother or sister, so this is within a church context, if your brother or sister is doing something that is separate from the way God wants us to be living life, then we need to approach them. And conflict is one of the biggest things that happens in church that we need to deal with when people cause conflict against us. So uh, on that one side is what we looked at last week, that Matthew 18 tool. The five things that we should be doing is we should be checking ourselves. What do I own in the mess? We should be approaching the other person, which is the hardest part of it. We need to take one or two people with us. That's to establish uh, a witness to what happens. And it keeps us accountable if decisions are made. Uh, We need to take it to the church, so take it to the leaders and say, this is something that's happening and we need to figure this out. And then finally, treat them like a, a sinner or an unbeliever. And on the little sheet of paper, I said, God, or Jesus, died 
for everyone. So the way that we should treat someone who says that they don't belong with us is that we should love them and we should die for them. In fact, we're going to be looking at John 15, funnily enough, uh, past where Karen read to look at why Jesus wants us to love one another. So that was last week. And if you want it in a non-Christian context, or if you're someone who's like, I'm not quite there with Jesus yet, uh, a couple of helpful questions we get from Matthew 18 is, what do I own here? How can I vocalize my issue? Who can play referee? And what steps do we need to take to resolve this conflict? That's what we need to do. And on the back of that little piece of paper, there's three things. The first is a YouTube that you should look up. It's Rick Warren. Uh, it's a sermon that he does on conflict, and he handles it amazingly well. So if you've got YouTube, which we all do, uh, jump on YouTube, what's there. And if you don't have a piece of paper, come see me afterwards. Um, Second thing on there is a book, The Peacemaker by Ken Sand, and uh, that's what most of this material we've looked at has been based upon. And then the third thing there is just an article by entrepreneur.com, which if you're in the workplace, uh, conflict happens there, and this article just says, how do you handle it? in the workplace. So that was last week, just how do we handle it. Today, we're going to finish it off and we're going to get to John 15. So if you've got your Bible, why don't you head there? We're going to finish it in John 15 by looking at the fact that Jesus has made you and me for relationship and conflict is something that will destroy the relationship that we have with Jesus, that we have with other people. And it can actually destroy the relationship that we have within ourselves and who we believe we are. And we need to do everything we can to rid ourselves of it. So here we go into John chapter 15. And we're going to take it from verse 9. So Karen has set us up lovely. Uh, Karen talked about just before the fact that we are engrafted into Jesus. Jesus is the vine and we become a part of him and we bear fruit. And then Jesus goes on in verse 9. He says... As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain, abide, stay within my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. We'll look at what those commands are in a second. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So my command is this. So he's adding another one. Love each other as I have loved you. So Jesus is coming along and saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to love other people the way that I have loved you. That's hard, isn't it? Because other people can suck. (laughs) Other people can hurt us. Other people mistreat us other people are rude to us and Jesus is saying we need to love them the way that he who was perfect loved us sounds impossible to me so great love is no uh, great love you know oh sorry my command is this love each other as I've loved you greater love has no one than this all right to lay down one's life for a friend I was talking with Marnell this morning And I was saying, when it comes to conflict, I don't have a lot of it in my life. And one of the reasons for that is because uh, I do this thing where I like to please other people. And I really, really want to just believe the best in them. So if someone does something that's wrong, I just believe that they really intended it for right and that it got mistranslated. Some of you are like me in that, right? Everyone looks at us and says, you guys are just blind optimists and 
why do you trust them again and again and again? But that, that's why I have not as much conflict because I don't always feel offended about things because I believe that they meant it for good. But I said to Manel, even though I don't have a lot of conflict in my life and I'm not dealing with any major, major things right now, it'll come up, I'm sure. Life goes up and down, as we all know. This verse here is something that I really struggle with. No greater love than this than to lay down your life for one's friend. And the reason that I struggle with this, and this is what God has to work in me, is because I really love my kids, I really love my wife, and I really love my friends. And I don't want to leave them on this planet and let them have all the fun without me. I've got to work through this. This is something that I need to work through because I I love all of you as much as I humanly can. And I believe the best in all of you, even though you know of yourself and you know of me, that there is stuff within us which is ugly and dirty and which is just unreally, like it's just really, really bad. But as humanly possible as I can, I love you. And the reason we're looking at this series is because I want you to be able to handle conflict well. I want to be able to handle conflict well so we can all love each other better and have a great time while we're here on earth helping reconcile the earth to God. But I have a fear within me that if I lay down my life for somebody else, I'm going to miss being there for the people who need me. And some of you probably have that same fear. The fear of death, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what can happen with those who are left behind is very, very real. But it is a big part of human history. It's a big part of humanity. And the truth, as we all know, is that life goes on without us. Life goes on. I've been spending time looking at Ecclesiastes, the most optimistic book in the Bible. It starts with meaningless, meaningless, everything's meaningless. What a great book, right? One of the encouraging things I found looking through the book of Ecclesiastes is that if at the end of the day the sun is going to set and the world's going to go on and we're going to just disappear and everything we do, we're just going to leave to other people. So anyone in this room trying to build their own kingdom, don't worry, you're going to go and you're going to have to leave it to somebody else. So you better build into that person you're leaving it to, otherwise they're going to waste it. Anyway, uh, side lesson. But what an encouraging thing that in this world there's nothing, there is absolutely nothing that holds true value except for our relationship with Jesus. That's what I've got out of this. This whole meaningless, meaningless, I look at my life and I go, everything I'm trying to build for me is going to go. I've only got about 80 years, and that's if I look after myself well. I've only got 80, 60, 70 years on this planet, and it's going to go quickly, and I'm going to be here today, I'm going to be gone tomorrow. But God and his kingdom is eternal. And everything I do for Josh's kingdom is not going to last. So when I come to this passage and I see this thing here that says, no greater thing we can do, or no greater love than this, to lay down my life for a friend... It puts me in this internal view of the world. Because if I'm here, and I'm 26 years old now, if I have to lay down my life tomorrow, I've had 26 years on this planet, and then I go to be with Jesus. But I want these 26 years to count for something. And if I have the opportunity today to lay down my life for somebody else, then I am literally treating them as Jesus has treated me. But that doesn't mean I'm not scared. That doesn't mean that I want to do that. I want to do that. It's something that God has to work within me. And God has worked in some of you. And that's, that's awesome. 
If Jesus is taking you to this journey where you trust him so much that you will obey him no matter what, that is an incredible blessing and an incredible outworking of Jesus' grace. But for those of us who are still learning this, for those of us who are still trying to figure out how to love other people the way that Jesus loves us, this is really, really hard. And this is actually one of the reasons why we don't deal with conflict well. Because you and I don't love the other person enough to value them over the issue you're fighting about. You and I don't love the other person enough to let go of the little things they've done to hurt us. You and I don't love them enough or value them enough or see them the way that God does to allow healing to take place. And that's difficult. It's hard to forgive. It's hard to look someone in the eye who has done something painful to you and to say, I love you. Not because I'm capable of that, not because I'm awesome, not because I've got it all figured out, but because I know what Jesus has done for me that I look at you and I go, I love you. Is everyone tracking with me? Mentally, yes, easy. Like, yeah, this is something we should do. We should see what Jesus has done for us and we should go and be able to see everybody in our world and look at them with love. But practically, it doesn't work this way. So dealing with conflict is something that you and I need to do so that we can actually love them and be willing to lay down our life for a friend. He goes on. You are my friends if you do what I command. And again, we're going to get to command in a second. I no longer call you servants. This is Jesus speaking. He no longer calls us servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Jesus is saying instead of calling you a servant, instead of saying go and just do what I tell you to do. I'm actually inviting you to be a part of my circle, part of my friendship circle. How cool was it in school when the cool kid came up and invited you to be part of the friendship circle? I didn't get there either, don't worry. I <laughs> Some of you are like, I didn't get... I, I made my own imaginary cool circle. Uh, and then we went to a bigger school and I found out that the cool circles were way up there. But that's okay, it's life. Um, anyway, so Jesus invites us into relationship with him and he actually calls us friends. How amazing is that? 2,000 years ago, God, God in a bod, Jesus, God in a body, came to this earth, walked around, yes, it's, walked around the earth, saw reality as we do through two eyes, experienced it as a single male, in, as a teacher, and he died. But then he came back to life, which is the cool part. That's why we're here, right? If Jesus had come to this earth, said, I am God, died, and then didn't, didn't come back, we're wasting our time. He rose again. He came back to life. And then we are born, and we come into this reality. We look around. We're taught things through our parents, and we come to a realization that there must be more life than this. And suddenly we hear about Jesus the God-man, and he invites us into relationship with him. Not because you and I are special, but because of how awesome God is and that he wants a relationship with us because he loves us. And he loved us even before we were born. And Jesus says to you and to me, you are not my servants. You're not just little minions who I control around the earth. You are actually my friend. I want you to lay down your life for your friend because I laid down, down my life for you. 
because servants don't know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends for everything that I've learned from my father, from our heavenly father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, my father will give you. This is my command, love one another. What an incredibly powerful passage. So when Jesus is talking about these commands, what is he talking about? Is he talking about the Ten Commandments? No, uh, probably not. He's talking about commands that he gave throughout his life. He's talking about things that he said that we need to do. If we're following Jesus, if we believe that he did come, die, uh, and rise again, he actually gave us things to do as people who love him and who follow him. And there's a probably more than about 40 commands Jesus gives, but the key to what he, he gives throughout the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the commands that he gives all revolve around love God, love others, love God, love others, love God, love others. And here's some examples of the commands that Jesus gives. When you stand praying, forgive. So when we need to pray to God, we should actually have forgiveness to those around us because there's a great verse, I can't remember where it is right now, where it says that if you have unforgiveness in your heart, God doesn't hear your prayers because you are holding hostile something in your heart towards another human being that he has made in his image. Uh, another command he gives is settle matters quickly with your enemy. Do we all do? Yeah. Settle matters quickly with your Normally, we settle matters slowly and on our terms. But Jesus says, actually, you need to go yourself and settle matters quickly. Get rid of whatever causes you to sin. So whatever causes you to walk away from God's desired plan and you do it on your own, get rid of it. Uh, giving more than is demanded, you know, going the extra mile. Love your enemies. These are also simple to say, yet have a lifetime of implications. Uh, do not store up treasures on earth. That's a big one, isn't it? Because when you die, you can't take it with you. Do not worry about tomorrow. That is incredibly, if you're an anxious person, tomorrow is coming tomorrow and it's coming quickly. And I understand that. But Jesus comes alongside you and says, don't worry about tomorrow. Trust in me. Trust in what I can do. He says, care for those in distress. One of the greatest things the church is known for is stepping out and caring and loving other people. Settle disputes between believers in this manner. That's what we looked at last week, Matthew 18. Do not oppose other Christian groups. If they are confessing the name of Jesus, then they're confessing the name of Jesus. Do as, God, uh, do as the good Samaritan did, which is a story where this guy got beat up and the Jew, Jewish uh, people were expecting a Jew to help him. And the enemy of the Jews, these Samaritans or these people who they were tussling with, actually stepped out and helped this bloke. And Jesus says, your neighbor is the person that you need to love. And you need to look out for, for them, regardless of anything going on between you. So do as the Good Samaritan did and love the people who you see need to be loved. Love one another. Be merciful. And as we begin to follow these commands of Jesus, we begin to see the world the way that Jesus does. Because the way that you and I see the world, the way that you and I look at the people in this room and look at our reality is tainted with the brokenness of sin. And when left to our own devices, we know that we don't always do what is right, what is good and what is proper. When people are mean to us, our first instinct, unless you've 
over years developed good coping mechanisms. Our first instinct when we're hurt is normally to lash out or to attack or to ignore them or to just believe that you don't want anything to do with them. When left to our own devices, we don't gravitate towards what's best. For those of us who recover from addiction, we know that when we're in the groups and we're sharing out loud our problems and we're having support and when we're getting urged on to do better and better and better, we do well. And then when we go into our rooms or when we go into our houses and when we're left alone and when there's no one around us to bring the good out of us, we don't always do what is right. And it's not until we start to see as Jesus sees that we start to be able to love as he loves. So as we close out this series on conflict, because this has been about relationship this morning, as we close out this series on conflict, these are the things I want us to sort of gravitate in on. There's going to be a sticky sentence at the end, which hopefully we can all remember. Um, but this, here's the point. I love each and every one of you. And I know, you know, yeah, I love, (laughs) thanks Jackie. I love all of you. I may not know all of you deeply and personally, but I love God and he made you. He put the beating heart in you. He put the breath in you. And he made you the way you are and and he loves you. And because of that love, because I know that God, because I know that Jesus, I love you and I want the best for you. And I don't want conflict to derail your life. Because if you do not address conflict in your life, this is not just me talking, this is just fact. You will do things you regret. You will break relationships you wish you hadn't broke. You will hand the keys in, you will file the papers, you will do things in your life that if you don't value the relationship over the issue, it will, it will break things. And those things can't be put back together again. And as much as in the moment you hate the other person, as much as in the moment you want them to just be destroyed, when you get out of all of that, A reconciled relationship is so much more powerful than just starting again. And one of the funny things is, is that when you start again, what was wrong with the first relationship is probably going to be wrong in the second one unless you deal with the issue. And the issue is not they're bad and you're good. The issue is that we're all not great. We're all bad. We all fall short of God's standard, but His grace is enough. And we need to learn to extend that grace to other people. It's all about relationship. As I said before, when God created us, he created us for relationship. When Jesus came to the earth, he was reconciling a broken relationship. And now you and I, this morning and throughout our lives, deal in the world of relationships. And the biggest relationship break we have is between us and God. And we need And we need to make that right. And the only way that we can make that right is by accepting God's gift of grace. So to close this out, this is what we've learned over the past four weeks. One, conflict happens to all of us. No one's like, yeah! No, conflict happens. It sucks, but it's just what it is. Second thing we learn is that negative outcomes of conflict are painful. And why do we want to keep reliving and keep redoing pain? No one does. Week three, uh, last week, we learned that Jesus actually gives us, if you follow him, a framework to deal with conflict. We need to check ourselves. We need to make sure we know what we own in the problem. We need to approach the other person. If that doesn't work, we bring a couple of other people along. 
not to bash them over the head and tell them that we're right, but to make sure we're accountable. We need to take it to the church, and if that all breaks down, we just need to love them. And then today, what I want you to get out of John 15 is that Jesus was all about relationship. Jesus was all about relationship. And conflict compromises relationship. So here's, here's the sticky sentence I want you to remember. All right, I'll say it, and then you'll say it back to me. I'll say it, you say it back to me. This is it. Conflict compromises relationship, so we need to remove conflict. All right, ready? Conflict compromises relationship, so we need to remove conflict. And you and I, if we do this in our own strength, are terrible at it. We just are. And if you think you're great, look at your resume. It's probably not that flash, is it? But if we follow Jesus, and if we believe he actually rose from the dead, and we believe that he has power, then we need to believe that he can restore and reconcile us in any conflict, because he ultimately overcame the conflict, which was the brokenness between us and him. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to explore conflict. Lord, I really pray that as we leave this building today, that we go and see where we are able to reconcile with others. May all of us value relationship over the issues, relationship over our pride, and ultimately, may we care more about what you think of us than what others think of us. And may you give us your strength to be able to extend grace, to be able to extend love, and to be able to care for the other person, not because they're great, but because you made them, you love them, and you call them. In your name and for your glory, all God's people said, Amen.